This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Miller to take the draw opposite Jack McBean. And they win it to Pedersen at the slot. He scores! Miller to Hughes to Pedersen and into the back of the net. The Canucks strike of the power play to take a 1-0 lead. Perfect. Top of the right circle in the main river zone. Wanting to get to the slot. Lost the puck, but they scored as they bounce right to Travis Dermott on the left wing. He beats Thatcher Demko down low, and the former Canuck ties the game at one. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. Now Bluger dumps it back in. Right wing Hoaglander. Long shot. Tipped on goal. Rebound. They score! Dakota Joshua! Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks win on home ice. Start a five-game homestand coming off a seven-game road trip with a go. 5-1-1. One, one. The winning keeps on going for the Vancouver Canucks who get back to their winning ways, holding on to a lead after the first 40 minutes. Lost one against Columbus, but picked up a point back into their winning ways with the lead. And this is the Canucks Center Postgame Show on Home Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network presented by the number 5 Orange. Satyar Shaw with Big Nazar. We'll bring in Randy Janda into the conversation in just a moment. As always, get in touch with us on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604 604- or 280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And it wasn't a Picasso by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but like we've talked about so much, Randy, the Canucks find ways to win by playing professional hockey, and for the most part, mistake-free hockey. That's right. In the third period, that was a classic example of that, where a couple of close calls, right? Thatcher Demko has to make a save. Uh, a couple of moments where you're saying, okay, they're getting a little... A close for comfort, but overall, there's just one or two moments in the third period. It yeah. wasn't like that was a, a period that was dominated by that. I thought, especially when there were about three or four minutes left, the Canucks just getting pucks deep, a little bit of zone time, a little bit of possession, chipping away at that clock, and it looks comfortable. So, you know, any doubts about after Columbus, is that going to pop up again? It wasn't, uh, uh, you know, the perfect game, especially, I would say, for the, the lotto line, uh, five on five. Yeah. It wasn't a, a great game for maybe the suitor Mikheyev kuzmenko line, but credit to Dakota Joshua's line yet again, and the Lafferty-Oman, uh, Niels Hoaglander line did a heck of a job tonight, so by any means necessary, and they look good doing it. It was comfortable in the third period. The nearly nils line. That's right. Yeah. Nearly, nearly nils. nils. Big, yeah. big fan of nearly nils. So I, I approve. I co-signed that one. Uh, yeah, it, I think the bottom six probably set the tempo of this game. Like, certainly Sam Lafferty immediately out oh, of yeah. the gate. Like, good uh, forecheck on Brown. The one in Kessler ring kind of starts the fireworks in the Draws the penalty on Liam O'Brien. Draws the penalty. Yeah. Has a nice rush chance as well. And then Joshua kind of throughout that game kind of grew into the game. And that Bluger line is just the steady tempo. And there's Joshua to score that goal in the second period. Uh, you know, in the moments that they needed to be the better team, they were, I thought, tonight. And it's always the worry, you know, coming off of that road trip, first one back, how's that going to be? They were just slightly better than the, the, the Coyotes, and certainly enough to get the two points tonight. You mentioned Dakota Joshua there. In the second period, credit to the Arizona Coyotes, they brought it. The Canucks mm. had to adjust. But there's that hit on Sean Dursey right in front of the Canucks bench that felt like kind of turned the tide yeah. where Dakota steps up, makes that aggressive play, is trying to set the tone or bring the back the momentum on his team side, and then right after that draws a penalty where it was a, almost a guaranteed goal, and Dermott has to take that penalty. So I thought Dakota, not only with that goal that he ended up scoring as the game winner, but even before that, helped to kind of turn the yeah. tide in the game. I, I thought so too. I mean, that line, 
Um, I, I know Connor Garland says we don't want a nickname because we don't we don't deserve one. And hey, you don't need permission from Connor Garland as a fan to give these guys a nickname. Uh, but but honestly, they've been the real engine behind the scenes. You know what I mean in terms of kind of keeping this team going and. They've been such a consistent trio in terms of their overall play, how they dictate play, and how they keep the puck in the offensive zone. I mean, they've just been fantastic. And tonight, well, all hands-on-deck performance. And one player who was very physical uh, and also got into a fight and brought it tonight is Nikita Zadorov, And he joins us now outside the Canucks locker room after a 2-1 victory over the Arizona Coyotes. And Nikita, thanks for joining us, as always. But uh, it, it always feels good winning on home ice. But uh, this Coyotes team, pretty pesky, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was a hard game, obviously. They brought some speed, brought some physicality. They have lots of skill up front. So, uh, I mean, it was a great effort by us. Uh, Demir was unbelievable for us today. I think overall um, we played really well through 60 minutes. Got a doubt. Yeah, you're not shy about the uh, the physical side of things. Uh, you know, was this was a very chippy game. It had some nastiness to it. Uh, do you feel like you guys as a team respond well to that? It certainly looked that way. Yeah, I mean... Uh, uh, some teams want to challenge us. We're ready to go. I mean, I feel like uh, uh, there's a lot of pride in this room. Uh, you know, the guys know what to do on the ice. It's our home. we got to take care of it, and uh, we did it today. Uh, you made a great play kind of evading that check there from Lawson Kraus, and then kind of everything happened thereafter. Can you share, you know, what, what, what led to the fight? Well, I mean, the guy's challenging whole bench, so somebody has to step, get a step in. Well, yeah, and, and I mean, he's one of those guys who was, he was running around, went after Lafferty as well. And I, I know you guys aren't um, you know, necessarily out there always looking to uh, get revenge, but if somebody's running around, is it important to send that message that you can't run around and act like that? Yeah, I mean, you do get revenge. I feel like if, if your teammate gets punished, uh, somebody's going to step up. You know, when the guy's skating by the bench and chirping her bench, I think it's unacceptable against us, so we're going to let her know. Yeah, you certainly set the tone as a team as well, just responding. But, uh, you know, in the, uh, in the arena tonight, the crowd was responsive. There's a lot of snow. They came down. Still a sellout. Like, coming back from a seven-game road trip, uh, a packed barn. Do you guys feed off that and what happened tonight? Yeah, I mean, uh, our fans were unreal. Um, love playing uh, in Vancouver when I was on the road. Now it's my home, so it's it's been unreal, actually. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of fun for the fans, I guess, today. You know, we, we've been on the road for two weeks. They, they probably missed us a lot, so we miss them, and it's happy to see them on the stands for sure in this crazy weather in here. Uh, there's been so much talk from the coaching staff and, and just the, around the team in general, just how professional you guys have been. There's four games here before this All-Star break and the next break. Uh, what's important here for these last four? Yeah, I mean, uh, establish home ice. I mean, it's uh, we got to make it hard, a hard place to play for all the team. Uh, I think that's our goal for sure, and get a get a wins. I mean, we uh, uh, we're not sacrifice group, you know. We uh, progressing every day, getting better every day. That's our mindset. Uh, you know, before we let you go, this is now your 20th game tonight with the Vancouver Canucks, and you know, coming in mid season is never easy. It takes time to kind of find your footing. How do you feel like you're you're fitting in now, and do you feel like you're getting very a lot closer to the level you can be at? Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, been doing a lot of work with the coaches, with Adam, with uh, Talk. You know, they've been helping a lot. They're letting me know what they want to see from me on the ice. I think I've been progressing. I think uh, past few games I've been playing my best hockey in here for sure. But, uh, I mean, I can t- take another step. You know, I know why they traded for me. I know what they want me to bring, and I'm going to bring it for sure. Well, he certainly brought the physicality tonight and also some solid overall play. Uh, they keep making them pay when they run around like that. Great stuff, Nikita. Appreciate your time as always. Yeah, thank you, guys. Uh, that is Nikita Zadorov.
after a 2-1 Canucks victory over the Arizona Coyotes and said uh, the guy's running around chirping the bench. He, he took liberties with Lafferty. And I mean, the one thing, I, not to spend too much time on, on that Lafferty play, but I, I didn't think O'Brien got enough. I mean, to drop the gloves, punch a guy twice in the face and yeah. only get two minutes. And I'm not saying he should have been tossed from the game, mm-hmm. but that, like Nikita mentioned, that left a sour taste in their mouth. And also him chirping the bench. And it's clear, Zadorov's was like, we're not going to let that happen. Here. Yeah, and hey, credit to Sam Lafferty. Four big hits mm-hmm. uh, to start off the game. And the one on Brown really ticked off o- O'Brien. And O'Brien's known for being a, uh, a guy that likes to talk in the NHL. He's amongst the league leaders in that. Well, if you're going to talk, you know, there's going to be a response. And on that play, you can see Le- O'Brien kind of asked for it. He kind of tapped mm-hmm. the stick on Zadorov. Well, you got to be careful what you ask for sometimes because I mentioned in the call, kind of reminded me of Lennox Lewis versus Mike Tyson. One guy's got the reach, <laughs> and that's great. You might you might be, uh, you know, a, a player that, that is feisty. Am I expecting, like, somebody to bite bite an ear off yeah, or something? No, no, no. That was, that was Holyfield. Holyfield, Holyfield never, mind, never mind. Lennox pummeled right. Tyson, and that's exactly what happened there. Just laughing, calling him Mike Tyson. Like Mike Tyson, uh, like a, a much older Mike Tyson, I should say. Can we find point. a better reference than that? <laughs> no, old Mike Tyson, man. Old Mike Tyson. Old not Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah, not uh, Trevor Burbick. Mike Twilight Tyson. Zone. Oh. Um, uh, Mike Tyson. But you know, it's a physicality st- standpoint of it. You, we know what Zadorov can bring that and. The Coyotes were really going after a lot of the Canucks players, and, and even Carcone was going after Carson Soucy. It was interesting that the guys they seemed to be targeting were like the more physical players on the Vancouver Canucks, which, hey, man, go and do your thing. But uh, I just thought it was not a strange game plan, but it seemed like they were trying to cut down trees as opposed to, you know, get under the skin of the right players. Like, it seemed just kind of odd to me. What I liked about the Canucks, though, is like you have tough players, you have players that will respond, but you're not going to be stupid, right? Mm-hmm. Like that Liam O'Brien play was... Hey, that's fine. You can do that if you want, but you're going to end up giving a power play to the Canucks. The Carson Susie Carconi one, just watching that one back, right before that, there's a hit by Niels Hoaglander on Dermott. A reverse hit. Yeah. And the whistle is, you know, blown. And after that, it feels like Carconi's looking for a fight. They're going towards the bench, and he just wants to mix it up with somebody. What happens there? He gets the extra two. The Canucks go in the power play, and that's fine. If You know, I, I think after the first period, maybe there's a message in that Coyotes room to say, hey, this is too easy for them. They dominated. We're lucky to be tied in this game. Uh, lean into this a little bit more. Don't allow them to bully you, whatever. That sort of situation. But it wasn't necessarily a smart play by Carcone, right? Where he goes after Susie, gets the extra two. I'm okay with that. The Canucks, in the moments that they needed to be uh, you know, proactive, they were physical. Niels Hoaglander, Dakota Joshua, Sam Lafferty, uh, Nikita Zadorov, when he had to react, he reacted well. I like the way that they played tonight from a physical aspect where you're hitting, you're being aggressive on the forecheck, that's your physicality, and the other team's responding to you. Yeah, if you haven't been watching the Coyotes for the past two years, this is kind of how they do, right? No, not that it's always you know, as as reckless as it was tonight. Liam O'Brien is definitely that player, though. Yeah, but but, but they play hard. Yeah, and He's that player, but he's not that guy. <laughs> He's, not, not that guy, pal. Not that guy. He's Mike Tyson. Uh, Late career, Mike Tyson. <laughs> Suddenly, this is kind of like raising up my power ranks of like, this would be a fun, frisky, if there's potential, round one matchup. Are if, they going to make it? If, if they were to make it. But look, there's like a handful of teams there. Predators, Kings, Oilers, Flames, Kraken, Coyotes. I think coming into this, we'd be like, ah, oh, Coyotes are like six in that group. Uh, it'd be fun to, to, to see them in the first round. At the very least, if they don't make the playoffs, I know we are talking about the nearly Neil line. <laughs> might be a team that's the nearly playoffs because they play each other <laughs> twice in April, yeah. right before the season's up as well. So that could be a, a feisty 
end to the season at the very least. Uh, you know, we've gone through some of the positives here. And I thought Thatcher Demko, Zadorov mentioned Demmer. Uh, yeah. he, he said Demmer had a fantastic game between the it, pipes. It feels like there's too many storylines to even bring up Thatcher Demko tonight. It, it does. Yeah. See, but I, I do think, like, quietly, especially mm-hmm. late in the third, he made a couple of saves. Uh, there was that sequence in the second period where Keller gets the chance. He, he, yeah. uh, he cuts, to say, cuts to the middle. I mean, yeah. There's a few grade-A chances they had, and Demko really stood tall. So I think that shouldn't go, you know, kind of... Uh, Without notice, at the very least. But the big storyline, and hey, we, we've spent 15 minutes talking now. We've had um, Zadorov on. Their text inbox is just full of these responses. Is this about 96? Hard to ignore the elephant in the room. Are Kuzmenko's days in Vancouver numbered? I really don't see him getting his confidence back, and I can't see the Canucks continuing to be patient with him. What's shaping up to be a pretty in, in what's shaping up to be a pretty important season? That's Kyle to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox six fifty six fifty, and a number of other text messages. Similar sentiment under for Andre Kuzmenko, who didn't have a single shift in the third period. Yeah, and with him eleven oh two for the entire game, right? When he was on the ice five on five, and we talked about this pregame, where what's the identity of that line when Andre Kuzmenko's on it? Um, they're not similar to the other lines that work off the forecheck that have that element to their game. So what are they? And five on five, you didn't really notice them. The power play is where I started to worry a little bit because when there's no chemistry in the bumper and the, the net front, that's where you're supposed to be giving the other players an option, and that was not developing. On one power play that Pew Suter played, he was opening up, and he created an opportunity in the bumper. He created an opportunity in the net front. Got a shot off. Got a shot off. Good stick by Troy Stetcher on that play. But in that one power play opportunity, there was some creativity there. There was some, I want to say, you know, some just kind of leaning into it and being aggressive on that with Kuzmenko. You're not seeing on the power play, and that's where today I'm like, okay, is that a player that's lacking confidence or is just kind of lost on, on the power play as well? Where five on five, we've seen that before, Vic, but... Uh, the power play development was was a big one for me tonight. It's kind of been the warning sign we've been waiting for, right? Like, it's one thing to, to, to get benched five on five. It's one thing to be out of the lineup. But the power play usage has always been there, right? And now this one, I don't want to say it's the final curtain or anything like that. But this, to me, is like the big warning sign. We've yeah. talked about it a lot, Sat, where... You know, he was going to get that chance back with Pedersen. Okay, that happened, and it didn't go well. Then you look at it, it's like, okay, are you going to do something on your own line? And, you know, for a short stint, it was like, okay, you're, you're, you're kind of driving a little bit of uh, action on that line. And, you know, the offense dried up. Mm-hmm. The point production is dried up. That line looks kind of lost a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And you still go back to be like, okay, the, well, the power play usage is still going to be there. You know, the best thing they did tonight was like a couple of retrievals. But yeah. you look at some of the movement and some of the timing, and they created a lot of chances, the other four players. But to your point, like, Suter jumped out once. And mind, mind you, also a left-handed shot, too. And immediately gets an opportunity in the, in, in the slot. Yeah. And the timing just looks off for, for Kuzmenko in relation to the other four guys that he's not getting these opportunities. Like, the deflection opportunities yeah. aren't there. Well, there was a play where, yeah, where there was one. Hughes, yeah. but he missed this, missed it. Like, those are the ones he's Johnny on the spot. Yeah. It's like this great pass by Hughes, and he misses even the deflection. And, and even the one Brock kind of taps across, it's in the slot, yeah. and he's not moving his feet. It's just waist bending, sweeping the stick, and suddenly a Coyotes player cuts in front of him and, and takes away that opportunity. It's, it's like now that's really concerning if the power play usage is out. And part of that is also, like, what, 15 goals last year by tipper deflection, right? This is a guy that was in and around the net. He was in the lanes. He's not there as much this year, uh, even on the power play. 
And then there's also that play in the defensive zone, right, where he just kind of throws the puck to the uh, the blind side where mm-hmm. Clayton Keller, of all players, is there. Luckily, nothing happens, but that's not a, a play that the coach is going to look back and say, hey, that's, you get trust from that. So, Or even the Dermot goal. Yes. Right? Like, I did, there's problems in that play well before it even gets to Dermot. Like, her has got to be way tighter yeah. uh, to Kerfoot and, you know, lets that play get there. McKayev kind of does a... Yeah, he's, he's reaching over at it, yeah, very half-hearted. There's just, and it, it's not just because Michael. There's all eyes on the middle of the ice to where Kerfoot's going, and Dermot just sneaks in behind. That's an issue. Like he, goal notwithstanding, it's you, you have to be aware. You're in the right spot, but you're not positioned correctly. Well, and, and that's the, and I mean, and not to mention the egregious, egregious giveaway in his own mm-hmm. zone to yeah, the, the Keller, the yeah. Keller one. And it's yeah. like you, you can't be giving pucks away like that, right? And after that, he got a chance on the power play again. But even on the power play, like he's, you know, to your point, not jumping on chances, but he's not really a threat to shoot. His playmaking is really not there. Like the only play he makes is he he'll go st- backhand, forehand, backhand, forehand, backhand, forehand, and just a simple pass to the point. Like that's essentially it. Like he'll be he'll look busy, he'll do a little shimmy shake, and then pass the puck back to Hughes. It's like what are you what are you doing? Like, he's not really he's not really manipulating any space either. So if you're not shooting and you're not taking guys on. And you're not making, you know, a lot of good passes. Like, then what is your usage? And that brings us to what are they going to do in a spot on the power play? Because if he's not playing in the third, not getting out on the second unit, what's the solution? And and to me, the solution isn't Philip Aronik. Yeah, and I, Pew Suter might have an option there because he has shown that in that area, right? Like a lot of his eight goals this year, even though they've been five on five, generally in that bumper spot where he's been able to kind of play trailer on a play, whether it's off the rush, shoot from that area. So Suter, I still liked as that option, a guy that scored eight goals in really fourth line or, you know, we can call it a second line right now. But in terms of usage, we know the Mikheyev, uh, Kuzmenko and Pew Suter line hasn't been that. It's been the Dakota Joshua line. That's technically the second line right now, the way it's being used. But Suter, even outside of that line, was able to produce before he got injured. So I'd still lean on that, but it's a valid question, right? We had an Arizona team that went 11-7 and today. The Canucks have an extra defenseman, a guy that played well, yeah. and you essentially played with 11 forwards in the third period. Is that something you consider if you're Rick Tockett? I don't know. You can't do 11 forwards, I don't think. I don't think you can play your style of hockey and have 11 forwards. Like, how are you going to run four yeah. lines out? What ends up happening is the two guys, it'll be Lafferty and, let's say Oman comes out, Lafferty and Hoaglander, they're going to get buried. You know, like, two guys are, like, to me, you want to limit your top guys' minutes. You can't do that if you go to 11 forwards. Like, I just don't think you can you can run four lines and play the way you want to play if you're having 11 forwards. I just don't think you can do it. Yeah, I guess the question I have right now, this guy is so short on confidence right now where he's supposed to thrive below the hash marks. And Taka has said, hey, you know, we I can, you can do your stuff there. You can take your chances. You can play with your flair. Uh that's where I do wonder of what's mm-hmm. next here. Do you just come back and say against Toronto, go ahead, we're gonna we're gonna wipe that one and we're gonna use you the same way, or do you potentially look at it and say we got to shake it up here? Maybe it's not eleven and seven. Maybe they can call up a forward from Abbotsford. Maybe it's just to change it up a little bit since Leonis Carlson was sent down. Do you potentially do that, or do you do you come back with Kuzmenko and say, hey, you know what, wash that, scrap that, let's start again. And it's such a big issue, not just because it's individual to Kuzmenko. And there's a couple of people texting in and be like, hey, I didn't notice McKayev tonight. Mark and White Rock, you know. Um, guys, Fair. Kuzmenko aside, did McKayev play tonight? It's just like you're, you're on a line where other people need you. He's the driver. And yep. it, it becomes such a big issue that that whole line just looks 
nullified all of a sudden. And, and Suter's doing what he can and getting around the ice, making a nice couple of nice poke checks, but he's not the, the, the play driver. He's not the guy that's going to dictate the tempo of a game because Michael handles the puck so much. And, yeah, Mikheyev, to me, tonight was, like, fairly ineffective, but that line just looks a shell of, of what they can be because the usage just looks so off. And it's like one player's impact is now imp- impacting a whole line. Well, the positive thing here is that you've got another win. You've got seven-game point streak. Your third line is producing at a very high level. Got two straight games with a power play goal as well. And the lotto line going back seven games has still produced, what, 30 points, right? So uh, it's a good problem to have because it gives you a little bit of time to figure it out. But do we see an answer? I don't think there's an obvious answer to us right now and what you can do with this player because, yeah, he's lacking a lot of confidence right now. Yeah, and we'll dig into that a bit bit more as the post-game show goes on here. And, you know, the Canucks did win this game. And but and we mentioned, we, we sp- spent the first 15, 16 minutes, spoke to, uh, to uh, Zadorov as well, but the tech's overwhelming, so we hit a couple there. We'll get to a bit more uh, on Kuzmenko later. And who can take that spot on the power play? We'll, we'll dig into that a bit more as well. Final one here, Randy, before we let you go. A lot of line. Pedersen gets a goal on the man advantage. Lotto line, where do you think they are in terms of how they are impacting the game? Because tonight, I think we all agree, the best line was the Bluger line again. Yeah, and, you know, even also shouts to the fourth line as well that played yeah. in their role, limited ice. They, they you know, were able to create, draw penalties, the whole thing. In terms of the lotto line, yeah, shot attempts uh, over across the board, they were... You know, they weren't at their best today, but they got that power play goal. Um, I think one of the areas that they did definitely struggle was just zone time. Yeah. Uh, That line didn't necessarily create a lot of it compared to some of the other ones, right? And I think JT Miller, when he's forechecking, when he's the F1, when he's able to get there and disrupt, and they can set up possession five on five, obviously that kind of dictates it. Didn't really see that so much today. And that's where, you know, if they got it, if they can, that, they got that confidence, uh, you can see it. But the last three games, even though they've picked up points mm-hmm. and they've been able to do it, certainly a drop-off in that regard. Uh, but against Toronto, boys, looking forward on Saturday, oh. I think you got to go with it. I think you got to definitely go, you know. Power for power? Power for power. This is a, this mm-hmm. is a heavyweight, a legit heavyweight. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, not like Liam O'Brien versus Zadorov. This is a legit heavyweight fight of Toronto versus Vancouver in terms of the top lines. I, I like that they're together. They're obviously producing. Yeah. With the second line issues, it clearly feels like this probably has a shelf life because... But you're still undefeated in regulation. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. them together. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, it, it's not even a concern about, like, oh, the line has had their issues. They'll, they'll figure it out. And they're getting points here. But it's it just like the external issues feel like that there might be a reason this gets broken up down the line if, if there's an acquisition or anything like that. But, yeah, I'm not too concerned about what they've looked like these last two games. They, they've gotten points. And, you know, it, it's a difficult environment coming back here in that scenario. A long road trip and distractions coming back home. I shouldn't say distractions. Family life or whatnot. Groceries, family. <laughs> vacuum the house or apartment. Yeah, sure. But all that, like, you know, the first game back is always a tough one. So, uh, and, you know, it was a natural look-ahead spot with Toronto coming up on Saturday as well. So uh, we'll see what they look like on Saturday before any uh, alarms start getting raised. Yeah, all in all, they got the job done today. And the Canucks, since putting the lotto line together, 6-0-1, picking up uh, 13 out of a possible 14 points. So not so bad, not so bad at all. Randy, great stuff, man, calling the game alongside Brendan Baxter. We look forward to chatting with you coming up on Monday. That's right. Uh, Hockey Day in Canada. Just want to say, any uh, listeners on the island, if you're heading down, come by, say hello. We're going to be there, and there's going to be a, a number of special guests that day. So s- roll through in uh, Victoria's Inner Harbor. Plus, tomorrow on uh, Saturday, who's on uh, Hockey Night with Jubby? 
Gary Bettman. Got an interview with Gary Bettman. So the commission is going to be on the show as well. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Bick, thank you very much for the plug on that. I, I Like a bad host, I forgot about that, but. Man's looking out for me. Don't worry, you're out of practice. You're doing uh, color. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to see uh, how you guys grill the commissioner when he's on Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi. Randy, great stuff, man. I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Cheers, boys. Uh, that's Randy Janda. Called the game alongside Brendan Batchelor. 2-1 Canucks victory on home ice to kick off a five-game homestand. Now, a bit before, before we... Uh, Get to uh, the phone board, 604-280-0650. You're toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. What are the people saying on the Dunbar Lumber text them box, 650-650? into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Uh, This one, uh, if you watch Power Play 1 in the first, they were trying to feed Kuzmenko. It felt like... uh, it felt for him. They were not confident in what he could do. That one is from Ian. Uh, this one, uh, nice work by Hoaglander late in the third and a nice win. What's going to happen with Kuzmenko, though? Seems like they might have to try and move him. That's from Brendan New West. Something we'll discuss uh, continually throughout this postgame show. Uh, and this one, the answer to the power play is add Hronik to it. Nobody else. All right. All right. Uh, we'll hit some of that uh, as the show goes on. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber Text Unbox 650-650. And for those saying, uh, for all the Kuzmenko stuff, what about the good things? Well, well there are enough good things. And uh, let's see what the people on the phone boards have to say. We'll start things off in Vancouver with Harry on the line. Harry, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Hey, guys. Hey, um, buddy. I want to start off, I'd say, like, Cunts played a great game today, good defensive effort. And the Arizona team played really good, actually. They're surprising. Um, what I say about Kuzenko, I've been thinking about it for a little bit, but, you know, everyone's discussing trade snails with Gensel and whatnot. I'm like, would you trade Kuzmenko for Riley Smith straight up? Contracts are about the same, and uh, you're probably taking a loss on offense and a loss overall, but one year left, but uh, you actually have a playable player. I don't know. That's all I want to say. Yeah, hey, thanks for the phone call, and Harry, and you know what? Like, I, I like Riley Smith. I always like Riley fan, Smith. Yeah. Kim- Again, pers- uh, positional versatility, too. Is a winger, can play center if need be, can do different things for you, can play physical, can score a little bit. Hasn't really fit in the way they had hoped. Has been injured, too, with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I'm not against that. I think that's a guy that you can rely just, on in the postseason. I wonder if the, the motivations from Pittsburgh side to want to do that. Like, they're still in the mix, right? That's 100%. I mean, that's one of those things where it's like, it makes sense for Vancouver, potentially. Yeah. Does it make sense for Pittsburgh? Could it make sense for Pittsburgh if they're kind of out of it and they look to the future and say... We can flip this guy, and, and maybe this guy pops off with Crosby or Malkin next season. You could see that. But to answer the question from Harry in Vancouver, uh, I don't hate it. I, I will say, uh, to Harry's credit, one of the more creative ideas that we've had and, and, and realistic ideas we've had. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. no, I love it. And, and he's right. Like, instead of the Gensel stuff, like, maybe something yeah. more realistic. And, and I think that does, I, does I, I fall into that category. on the people show, like, who are you rooting for to fail in these next uh, month? Because is that even what the trade market needs? Some teams, so some motivated sellers, and right now there's like a bunch of teams that are like four points out. Like you know what, we got seven weeks to to the deadline. We'll we'll make up this deficit. We'll be in the playoff mix. The trade market needs some losers right now. They do. They need something to spice it up. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our t- text them box, 650-650. Also, grab a phone line if you so choose, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. We'll hear the thoughts of the Canucks head coach as well after a 2-1 victory on home ice over the Arizona Coyotes. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange. So the game is over. 
But is your night really done? Number five is open. More coming up on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drams. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Jersey battling with Hoaglander on the end boards. It comes free far side for Kesselring. He's tied up by Dakota Joshua, but got it out to center nonetheless. Now Bluger dumps it back in. Right wing Hoaglander, long shot, tipped on goal, rebound, they score! Dakota Joshua! Go to the net and good things will happen, and they certainly did for Dakota Joshua, who scores his 12th of the year in the final minute of the second to give the Canucks a 2-1 lead. And the middle drive pays off by Dakota Joshua. Good job by this duo of Hoaglander and Dakota Joshua putting pressure and an excellent stick in the neutral zone by Tyler Myers that sends the puck back in the zone as Niels Hoaglander picks it up on the right-hand side and puts a pass there that goes to Connor Ingram and Joshua cleans it up. Dakota Joshua, the game-winning goal for the Vancouver Canucks tonight as they beat the Arizona Coyotes 2-1 on the first game of a five-game homestand. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shah with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll-free 1-888-275-0650. Uh, and before we get to the phone board, Bick, let's venture into the Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. I don't want to just focus in on the Kuzmenko thing, but the Kuzmenko texts are pretty much uh, what, is it like 10 to 1 to anything else at this yeah, stage? Yeah, and actually just recently some Mikheyev texts coming in as well. Why is Mikheyev never criticized? Uh, complete non-factor. He's horrible watching the Oilers in Alberta. They better get those lines figured out or they could get buried. You got one there? Yeah, no, I did, but I, what I was going to you're right, go on. Okay, uh, Mikheyev is just as bad as well as pointing out, not just Kuzmenko, uh, he's also nowhere near on that production list, another unsigned text. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's going both ways right now. And also, Lauren texted in, she says, no novel commentary from me tonight, just want to shout out my mom. So, hey. so there you go. We, we, we can facilitate shout-outs. We can facilitate shout-outs, and uh, we'll get to some more of those text messages. But one thing I should have mentioned coming back in from that game-winning goal was that was our play of the game brought uh, brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley, the game-winning goal from Dakota Joshua. And, I mean, we could have spoken about the the Elias Pettersson goal as well for the game-winning goal. It's a one-timer mm-hmm. from uh, from almost a point. It felt top faster cheese. than 83 miles an hour. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that was... It felt faster, too. I mean, to me, when I saw him, like, that's a great combination of power and mm-hmm. accuracy is how I felt kind of against the grain. You know, Ingram's going to the left. The puck goes top cheese... Uh, t- on the other side for him. Great shot from him. But that play by Dakota Joshua, uh, like Randy mentioned, middle drive, drives the mm-hmm. net. But the hands yeah. and the patience to grab that puck. with Keller on your hip and just that's, turning the hips as well and going upstairs with that. That's a real high-level finish. Yeah. What does that tell us about the year Dakota Joshua is having, who's already blowing last year out of the water for himself, where he had a career season, finally established himself as an everyday National Hockey League player, had, what, 11 goals last year? Now has 12 on the season, and he's 44 games in. That perhaps he should be a candidate for uh, power play one. I see people mentioning that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you just plop him in net front and see how it goes? So I was thinking about that. 
because, you know, the best thing I thought Kuzmenko did on the power play today was retrievals. There was just a couple, okay? But this this movement thing, it just, it, it just doesn't feel like he fits in that. Yeah. The other four guys are opening up opportunities, and in the first power play, they, they got a couple of chances. Not Maybe not grade A's, but they, they created open shots for guys. I, I almost just wonder if the one guy can be static because we, we talked about like heronic right mm-hmm. it's, it's static but it's it's outside and right is it changing the dynamics if you're the static guy in front of the net does that allow Patterson Miller Besser Hughes kind of do their thing and man he's a massive body and you see on a play like that like he can play through contact and create and we've seen multiple times this year that like in and around the net he's got good hands good feet and is able to just kind of navigate that space it, it it makes it his role kind of predictable, but it'd be an interesting body to put there. Yeah, and we can explore some other players. I, I know uh, Hoaglander's been getting some mentions on the text inbox. Pew Suter was used there. He's been mentioned. And even Connor Garland's been mentioned. We'll talk about the pros and cons of perhaps those players getting a shot on the first unit power play. But that goal from Dakota Joshua was tonight's play of the game, brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Drive through winter with confidence by switching to Toyo tires, making tires for your road. Visit Delaney's OK Tire today on Fraser highway in Langley and uh, the players getting the assists on that game winning goal Niels Hoaglander and Teddy Bluger and the only other goal was Elias Patterson on the power play from Hughes and JT Miller Dermott scoring the lone goal for the Arizona Coyotes uh, that's some of our thoughts so far we'll get to more of your thoughts on the text inbox and the Dunbar Lumber uh, on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox and the phone boards but before we do that and delve into some other factors in this game let's hear from the Canucks head coach after 2-1 win on home ice over the Coyotes here is Rick Tockett. That was a hard-fought game. Coyotes are fast. They got some fast players, and it was a hard-fought game. You know, it was. Uh, I like the way we, you know, we managed the game. Played. You know, we had some moments where uh, throwing the puck away a couple times, but you know, coming back, I felt uh, we had enough juice to lock the game down. Um, had some good efforts from some guys, second, and third efforts. Joshua scores. That line continues to produce for you. You know, are you running out of ways to describe how much they're giving you right now? Because it seems like on a night-to-night basis, they continue to do the job. For you. Yeah, I thought Dakota was really good. Like he was really good. And you know, you need those guys, those type of guys uh, coming off a 14-day trip, first game back. When you, you know, you might not have your legs. I thought in the first period we were really good too. But I thought Dakota was a good force tonight. Did you think about the power play and the way they moved the puck and obviously got the goal tonight? Yeah, um, movement was great. Um, had some really good looks, you know, a couple missed shots. But obviously, P's, that was a big full goal for us. You know, that was a hell of a shot. But, yeah, it's um, they keep moving the puck around, keep getting the puck to the net, they'll go in. Now, you've talked about kind of getting this team to learn how to play in uncomfortable situations. Did it feel like that, this game? Was there a learning lesson there for those guys? Yeah, no, it's like, it's, it, listen, the, the Coyotes are trying to make the playoffs. It's a, we're going to run into desperate teams, and we have to play the same way. You know, um, you know there's just moments where we have the puck and we can skate with it, or we got we got to manage the puck. We can't throw pucks away. It's just sometimes we can skate with it and make a play. But um, it's happening less frequently than I've seen a month ago, two months ago. So these are good, these are good uh, pressure situations to be in. How, how did you feel about the second? I mean, you guys took a long time to get your first shot for instance yeah um just I, you know it was more uh I, I think we didn't play predictable uh we didn't get the puck in deep but the good thing is they didn't you know we didn't give them a lot I and mean, they had a couple of they had a couple of looks but the, 
if you know, if we're when, even when we're a little sluggish, it's not like we're giving them like seven, eight grade eight chances. So that's a good thing. But then we, uh, you know, third period, I think we kind of we're fine. How did you feel about the O'Brien shenanigans going after Lafferty and whatnot? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that's he's trying to do that. Um, I thought Big Z in the fight it was a great fight. I mean, he. Uh, he did what he had to do, and I think that helped our team. You know, it's quiet, quiet down a bit. But uh, like I said, they, they played hard. We played hard. Good hot foot. Yeah. Rick, did you get uh, any kind of indication? I mean, O'Brien came off the bench to start, start an yeah. altercation. That's that's game misconduct. Yeah, I, I honestly have to take a look at that. I know. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know, to be honest with you, um, if that was the case. But, yeah, yeah, maybe the refs didn't see it. I don't know. But uh, like I said, Z took care of it. That was good. Good, good by him. Um, there's been a lot of talk about sort of finding different ways to win and applying yourself successfully in different styles of game. After all the different things we saw on the road trip, is that this one another different <clears throat> style of game that you came out on top of? Yeah, it was. It was kind of a game where you know, it was ebbs and flows. We had some good parts to us. You know, I, I felt. We had a couple of guys I thought were a little bit tired in certain situations, but we had enough guys pulling the rope in the right direction, and um, that's what a team does. You know, sometimes some guys are, are, might not have it, but just as long as you, you know, if you don't have it, just make sure you don't make huge mistakes. And I thought we did that tonight, where most of the, most of the night we were pretty good in control if um, if we didn't have a lot of juice. But we had we had some guys. I thought Hoglander, you know, I thought he did a nice job of tie, turning the tides for us. Uh, couple of nice hits. I thought the fourth line was good. Um, you know, I think we did enough to win the game. I was just going to ask about Huglander, the way that he plays and yeah. brings that physicality. You're also playing <clears throat> with two minutes left in the game. That feels yeah. like something that's changed in the way we see him be deployed throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, there's. I'm starting to trust him more and more. You know, I know he, he, you know, he was mad about the giveaway he, you know, when, he, when he had the giveaway there, but I, I, I had, you know, I he makes a mistake. I can't just sit the guy on the bench. He's he's a guy that I think earns a little bit more rope, and I've given him more rope. And that last two minutes, he kept the puck in their end. That was a big, you know, that was a good big play by Hoggy, uh, keeping that puck in the corner and eating some clock. Get a nice shot. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 2-1 victory. Uh, went, went over a lot of different things. He spoke about the power play, how they moved, they got some decent looks, spoke about the Coyotes trying to make the playoffs and their desperate team. you gotta, you got to be ready for them. Uh, talked about the, uh, the big fight uh, by Big uh, Z and how that helped calm and quiet things down and mentioned how if you don't have it and don't make mistakes, they, don't make, they, didn't, they didn't have it tonight maybe energy-wise, didn't make a ton of mistakes, however, and played within their structure we see he was happy about. And he was very very complimentary about Niels Hoaglander, right? Mm-hmm. And and how he played the last two minutes. Mentioned trusting him more and more. Can't sit him for every mistake. However, there was also big omission. He was not asked about Andre Kuzmenko. So uh, no answers there from the head coach. If you're wondering uh, about Andre Kuzmenko and what happened with him being benched in the third period. So nothing there on him. Uh, but he was pretty happy with the overall play uh, of his teammates. Of, of the rest of the guys on the team. Yeah, I did mention a couple of guys were tired. So maybe... Because Michael fits into that building, man. Uh, it just like would have been nice to get an answer on this. Yeah, no, hundred percent. The thing is, it's like it's happened so frequently. Well, and, and, and the funny he's thing is, he's, gonna... and he's also pushed back. And you know, uh, yeah. the, the coach has pushed back on the Kuzmenko questions in the past uh, as well. 
But, I mean, I just thought it was notable. So we'll have to – I'm sure it'll be brought up during practice but yeah. uh, and uh, uh, ahead of the game on on Saturday when the Canucks host the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I'm sure we'll hear from him on Kuzmenko, but not tonight. And the, the, the Hoaglander stuff was kind of key that, like, hey, you make a mistake, but we, we still got the rope. Like You've, you're, you've earned the rope now. Um, to, to, to go back out there, and certainly in late-game situations as well for uh, Nils Hoagland. So that's a big uh, big attaboy. A big attaboy. Uh, now, one thing you mentioned, uh, you mentioned that, and uh, Tyler has, says, can't be upset about a giveaway. Coos, excuse me, because he spoke about Hoagland or said, hey, he made a mistake. I don't want him to punish him. He's earned more than that. I don't, I don't know if that's a dig at Kuzmenko at all, but it also shows you that he will allow a player to re-earn his trust if you do those sort of things. And Hoaglander, it wasn't that long ago, was like, yeah, Hoag did good stuff, but he's got to do this better. He's got to be better defensively. But he's making such a concerted effort to get better and that he's putting his best foot forward all the time that now he's earning a bit more trust getting out there. So there is a pathway, and I think he's pretty much explaining what he wants to see from and, other and guys. And to be honest, like, the giveaway was so odd. It's, it's not as if he made like a terrible decision. It's just like you're trying to take it off your backhand, and it just bounces wrong, and it lands perfectly for the Coyotes to give it to Keller. Um, you know, I, I, it's it, it's an unfortunate play, but here's the thing: it's like don't dog the guy for it, give him the chance. And Hoaglander had some good shifts in the third period, like played with a lot of speed, uh, certainly a lot of energy, got under guys, and you know won some battles. So earn that opportunity to keep uh, getting more minutes and you know his play was was nullified by uh, Thatcher Demko yeah it, it was and Thatcher Demko t- tonight was fantastic between the pipes uh, and this one here says the, a text just came in why do you think Taka didn't challenge the goalie interference call I made a, sta- a comment several weeks ago that a coach who's 100% on challenges is simply not challenging enough calls now if you get a challenge wrong you are uh, given a penalty so mm-hmm. th- there is a cost to challenging and that's why um, you can't just be frivolous with it to me when I saw the play I'm like it's soft but I don't think they overturn it because by the letter of the law, J.T. Miller was in the crease, made some subtle contact. He wasn't fully driven into the crease. And if you're in the crease and make any sort of contact, they're going to... Shade towards the goalie. Yeah, so I think it's super... Don't get me wrong. Like I think it's soft. Like yeah. I think it's very soft. I want that goal to stand. But by the letter of the law... And we saw this happen with the J.T. Miller goal, which was disallowed a few games ago. Remember the one that was taken off the board? Was it against New Jersey? I forget which yeah, game it was. Yeah, that one was way more, like, you, you could understand that one a lot. You could, but it, it was similar play. Yeah. Like, it wasn't this egregious big push. He was kind of pushing. He was kind of on the edge of the crease. This one, he was more into the crease. But yeah. he clearly makes contract with, contact with Ingram. And by the time one, Ingram, I felt like the, the, the previous one, it felt like he was going into the goalie. Whereas this one, like... But I thought that one, he got pushed more than yeah. this one. Okay, but he's fair. in the crease. My but point he's here definitely is, in the crease. He's in the crease. So if but you're I, in the I crease, thought Ingram created some of that as well. I agree. But here's the thing. He's allowed to. He, he's in the, the crease. He's, he's, allowed, the, he's yeah. supposed to have freedom of movement in the yeah. crease. I agree. It's a soft call. I understand why they didn't challenge it, though, because I think there's a 90% chance that sta- that call stands. I, I just think that would be yeah. – that's too uh, reckless a challenge for a play that's probably not going to get overturned. Coaches, as soft as it is. Coaches across the league would be thrilled if that's overturned because you'd see a lot more challenges all of a sudden. So, you know, league precedent maybe takes over there. And it, it just felt like, well, you know, one of those ones that was too difficult to, to get swung in your favor. It, it'd be challenging for the sake of challenging, but I don't know if you'd actually win that one. Yeah, and that's how where I come from that. Uh, and people are wondering why he wasn't asked about that, why he wasn't asked about Kuzmenko. And, yeah, I mean, you know, Kuzmenko. 
Toggett's not going to come out there and, and and volunteer the information himself. He's got to be asked about it uh, to answer it. But uh, on those two questions people have, and we'll see if uh, he has some more to say about it in the next co- couple of days. Uh, Bick, let's go to more of the text messages. What are you seeing in our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox? Uh, 650, 650. Uh, Cam in Vancouver. Any concern about Pedersen's wrist? He was seen putting an ice pack Fair question. Uh, Pedersen did meet with the yeah. media, and we'll play his comments coming up a bit later to get, uh, perhaps, we'll see if he was I mean, asked um, he played. He seemed okay. Yeah. But uh, but it's just something to mention. Uh, 650-650. John and Coquitlam, great win. They should try Joshua on power play one. Helps with the puck retrieval screen in front and that provide an opportunity for a player who is finishing. And, yeah, career-high 12 goals for Dakota Joshua tonight. Uh, they are winning. I think they just need to keep playing. Kuzmenko giving him a confidence boost. Give it more time. Uh in this one, 650-650, uh, Kevin in West Kelowna. And, and here's the interesting bit of it all, too, because this Kuzmenko conversation goes to what happens come playoff times. Guys, do you seriously think Kuzmenko can handle the intensity and pace of playoff hockey? Talkett's not playing him in the third period of a regular season game against Arizona. He won't be playing in the playoffs. It's a very fair point. Like, you know, t- to those people mentioning, and then they're saying Mikheyev, and, hey, Mikheyev, he's, he's had his struggles. He's not scoring. Mikheyev has made some mistakes, but he's usually in the right spot. He is forechecking. He understands what to do defensively for the most part and also in terms of his positioning and how he plays in the offensive zone. He's not having success. He's having his struggles. I don't disagree. But I don't think his problems are of the same nature as as Kuzmenko, and that's why he's not being roast or he's not being yeah. held accountable to the same degree that Kuzmenko is by the coaches. And I, I do think, too, it's like he's playing far greater to his role than what Kuzmenko was playing in his role. And it, it, it almost doesn't even feel like Kuzmenko's got a role. But you watch Mikheyev, it's you know, straight line speed, put pressure on the four, on the, on the four check, and you know, there's elements, like the production's not there, but he's, he's not a natural play driver. That's why when the production was there for him, it's, okay, Elias Patterson, you really see you know, how much he brings out of other players. Like, Mikheyev is a complementary player. He can be a really good one, but you need someone to drive the line and it doesn't exist right now on that second line. And you see like a lot of the gaps that can arrive in his game. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Uh, absolutely. And that's what I agree with as well. Josh and mission says, uh, Miller didn't prevent the goalie from making a save. Foot in the crease isn't a rule anymore. Why are we doing this? Goalie interference makes no sense. I do agree. Goalie interference, uh, is very hard to make sense of. It's not about having your foot in the crease. It's if you're in the crease to make any sort of contact. And he makes just subtle contact with Ingram before the shot is taken. You can say, hey, did it impact him making the save? It doesn't impact him in in terms of in that moment where the puck comes across. But it impacts his movement enough that he can't get set and track the puck. And I think that's why the call was taken off. And if you challenge it, I just don't think you're going to win that challenge. That, that's where Again, I'm at. Like, I'd, like, I, I'd like to see that be a goal. Same. It's, it's like it's such minor contact. It is. But it does literally say in the rule, like contact, whether incidental or otherwise. Uh, it, it just If you're in the crease, yeah, contact it's, it's incidental really or, the, or otherwise... And, and that's the rule. It's not yeah. just about being in the crease. You can have your foot in the crease. That's not the issue. Mm-hmm. It's a, If you're in the crease and making contact, the goal is going to get the benefit of that. And, and, and they're going to give like a certain time lapse as well to the goalie to, yeah. to get reset. Exactly. Right. And it, it's like a beat ahead of it, yeah. but 
you know, you can make the case that if he wasn't interfered with, he would have had a better way of tracking that puck coming across. But um, it is what it is. Uh, Keith from Poco says, I'm with you guys on the challenge. I would also rather save the challenge for a questionable goal if the opposing team scores. All right. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650, Dunbar Lumber. Let's continue on the foam boards. Uh, let's start things off here with Gary in Maple Ridge. Gary, thanks for calling in. And what are your thoughts tonight? Well, first of all, can you hear me all right? Yeah, we got gotcha. you. Well, your producer and I had a disagreement. My opinion, uh, I think Tocket is pushing the envelope too much. I happen to think that Kuzmenko could play on the power play. Uh, they they usually give the second line about 45 seconds or so. Why don't they double shift Pedersen, double shift Miller, take Brock Besser off the power play for one minute, give Kuzmenko... Uh, one minute. This guy got, he has great hands. He got 39 goals last year. And your producer, yes, he's a good producer, but uh, he mentioned that Kuzmenko isn't good defensively. Well, when you're in the other guy's end, you don't have to be defensive. You got to score a goal. And we needed one tonight. Two to one against that club? Uh, no. I'm I'm happy for, for the guys. I like it. But, uh, to bench Kuzmenko for the entire third period, wrong. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for the for phone call. Calling out fast Eddie Gregory. They're debating on the phone lines before coming on. I, I mean, competing. Competing. I, I will say this. I mean, fair point, whatever. The Coyotes, number one, uh, I don't think it's fair to them to be like, oh, you only beat them 2-1. They're a tough team to play they're, against. They're very difficult. They've been pesky. They work hard. And, and last year they played, um, they, they lost 22 one-goal games. Yeah. 22. 20, that's a and lot. 14 of them were in overtime. This year, they, they came in 10-5-3 and three tonight, so they go to 10-6-3 now. So they, they've kind of flipped the one-goal games. Like they, they're, they're not easy. I know they got the reputation for years past everything. They're, they're a, a tough out right now. They really are, right? So uh, I would give them a little bit more respect. And hey, fair enough. You can critique, whatever. Uh, but this is a head coach now that has coached 81 games with the Vancouver Canucks, and they have 108 points over that stretch. I'm not saying, you know, he has a Midas touch and everything he does is gold and uh, he's he's above reproach. You can't question or uh, debate some of his decisions. Of course, you, you can, and it's fair to do. I just say any notion of him um, not putting the team in the right position, I think it's baseless. That's just the way I would view that. All right, uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Let's take one more phone call, and uh, let's go to Bur- Bo and Burnaby. Bo, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Oh, uh, let me just put you back on hold. Hey, hey, Bo, try to call back. You're breaking up, and we'll give you a chance coming up in just a moment. Let's put uh, Bo back on hold, and let's go to Aiden and Nanaimo in the meantime. Aiden, uh, thanks for calling in, uh, buddy. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Oh, hey, boys. How's it going? Good, man. Yeah, yeah so overall, it was not a bad game by the Canucks. Like, I watched it. Um a couple mishaps here and there for the game. It wasn't like an overall perfect game by the Canucks, but like, hey, like defensively and stuff, they held it together. Offense wasn't really generating much, but like, hey, you know, they got the two points. Demko again made the saves when he had to be. Not a shutout tonight, but hey, 2-1, so can't complain about that. Another two points. Um, yeah, they're just keeping up the winning streak, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the Toronto game there on uh, Saturday. It'll be a definitely good heart, 
far battle with a good team. And then uh, Edmonton now crawling up the standings with a 12-game win streak is is pretty insane. So we'll watch out for them. But, um, yeah, looking forward to the Vancouver game in Toronto on uh, Saturday. And uh, I get to actually go to uh, a couple Canucks games here coming up in the future months, March 21st and the 23rd, when they play Montreal and Calgary. So I'm really excited to go watch them play live. Uh, that is fantastic. Hey, awesome stuff, man. Thanks for the phone call, and uh, have fun when you come to town to watch a couple games in March. That game against the Leafs, I can't wait. Oh, and, and, and I know people get, honestly, getting jazzed up for that game, getting an early forward, having an evening Great. afterwards, the vibe in the building is going to be fantastic on Saturday. And they won tonight, so they, 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 they shake off some cobwebs. Uh. And, and you, know, you know what? Like The whole playing Tiger thing, now, the coach brought this up, too, and you know, to the point about Arizona Coyotes. The Canucks weren't perfect, but what are they doing now? They're, they're playing to their staple, so to speak, to their system. They're forechecking well. They're holding their position. They got loose at times in the second, we mentioned, um, especially the Keller chance when, when he dives in. And there's some bad moments we can talk about for sure. But overall, didn't give them a ton. And when you can play within your structure and you, you meet the physical challenge and, and at least the emotional one at times – you should win this game. And I think the Canucks being able to do that, and somebody texted and said they didn't enough to win this game, I think that's a good sign. Like, I, I'm not sitting and saying this was you know one of their better, more impressive performances, but I do think their ability to find ways to win games and to at least match a level enough to get victories is something they should be credited for. Uh, and, and you know what a comment that's coming out? Because Aiden just said, hey, like they got two points and all that. So a text that's coming in a lot from a lot of different people. Hey, Oilers are 13 points behind. Yeah, yeah four games in hand. Four games in hand. They win all four. They're it's five like, back. Man, the Canucks are winning, too. So over this stretch, it's over this stretch, tough, over, yeah. so 13-game winning streak now for Edmonton? Uh, 12. 12 games. So 12-game winning streak. Over that 12-game winning streak, Edmonton's made up five points on Vancouver, I believe. They've won 12 in a row. They've made up five points. I mean, it's, it's five points, but considering they're on a 12-game heater, that's because the Canucks have gone, what, uh, eight, two, and one in their last 11? Or something so, like that? Or, or So it's like they're, they're, they're not matching Edmonton, mm-hmm. but Edmonton, considering the run they're on, aren't gaining as much traction as you would imagine because the Canucks have been able to get results over the stretch. So they're playing about 800 hockey, I think even above that, since Knobloch took over. Yeah. Uh, 800 hockey the rest of the way. For the Oilers, that'd be like another forty-one games. That's like sixty-four points, sixty-five points. I'm getting a nod from Josh here. All right, so let's say sixty-five points. Uh, that would put him at a hundred and sixteen. Is that my math right? Yes, I believe. Like I, I don't think the Oilers are getting one hundred and sixteen. So, so what's a realistic number for them? Oilers? No, they, I think they get to like hundred and eight. Hundred. Okay, hundred and eight. Okay. Maybe 110, maybe 108, I think is probably a high watermark, okay. I would say. So the Canucks, to get to 109, let's say, yeah, need another 55 points. So 55 points. So they'd have to win. They have 37 games. Like 23 games. wins. They have, they have 37. Sorry, uh, 24. No, 50, no, 54 points? 27 wins. 54, 27. That means you have yeah. to win 27 of your next 37. That's 27 and 10. That's a pretty good rest. pretty hard to do. I mean, they could do it. I feel it. like it's going to be harder for the Oilers. No, to I don't disagree. Win. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. But 27 and 10 would be a pretty ridiculous run. I mean, hey. So the way 30, the Canucks, 11, and 4. No kidding. And the way the Canucks have gone, I mean, maybe I shouldn't put it past them. Yeah. Um, and the Canucks, however, not to say it's it's going to go that way, but their schedule is in terms of uh, 
how many games in an amount of time. They don't have a ton of back-to-backs left. Mm-hmm. They have an eight-game homestand in March. Games. A lot of home games. They have their bye week coming up. Edmonton has four games to make up on them. The Canucks have played their, their most challenging part of the schedule in terms of games so far and days played. Edmonton's going to hit that a bit harder, so that's going to also factor in. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 604-650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. We'll also talk about Tyler Myers. I know Bick has a thought on Tyler Myers, his play, and how may he fit in in the postseason. We'll discuss that and more as the Canucks Central postgame show rolls on, presented by the number 5 Orange, a Vancouver legend. They've got sports, too. More coming up in the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Kuzmenko goes after Stetcher on the board check. Stetcher in the near corner. Now we got a fight behind the play. Zadorov and Liam O'Brien. O'Brien tried the Superman punch, running at Zadorov, who shrugs him off, pins him against the glass. O'Brien's helmet comes off. He's trying to get his right hand free. Zadorov holding on, looking to get his arm loose, too. O'Brien very aggressive coming around with the right hand. Now Zadorov using his long reach, lands a couple of the back of the head of O'Brien. O'Brien struggling with Zadorov. Manhandling him. Zadorov again with the right hand for he lands three more shots to the back of the head of Liam O'Brien. And the linesmen step in to separate them. The crowd goes wild tonight at Rogers Arena. Spirited boat. Yeah, I mean, you're, you do get revenge. I feel like if, if your teammate gets punished, uh, somebody going to step up. You know, when the guy's skating by the bench and tripping her bench, I think it's unacceptable against us, so we're going to let her know. Nikita Zadorov. Unacceptable, like he told us on the, told us on the post game show. Canucks win two one, going after Liam O'Brien after he was running around, took some liberties with Sam Lafferty, where he took a penalty as well. Zadorov not standing for it, said he was chirping the bench, and he wasn't going to let that go unchecked on his patrol. And this is the Canucks Central post game show on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet six fifty and the Sportsnet Radio Network, presented by the number five Orange. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty. Grab a phone line six zero four two eight zero zero six fifty. Speaking of things that were. Uh... Uh, unacceptable and cannot go unchecked. Uh, we screwed up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hang on. Here's Okay, I want to explain this, okay? Yeah, we got a lot of texts. I got we- DMs. <laughs> I mean, text messages. Zeke from Port Moody. Uh, the funniest part of the postgame show is listening to you guys <laughs> do math on the fly. You guys really messed up that arithmetic and uh, a lot of texts coming in. I just want to be clear. I think we were both right, but we were speaking two different uh, outcomes. You were talking about trying to get to 116 points. I was thinking 116 points. I was trying points. to get to 108 points. So when you said they got to get 27 wins, that was... <laughs> yes, very good, Eddie. Very good. But I mean, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking about... Because yes. like, you said they're on pace for like 116 and, and points, so I'm we, like, to we, get there... We screwed it up. Yes. Okay. Yes. We screwed we'll it up. We'll own it. We will own it. I can't... <laughs> I mean, you should own it. I can't think under this pressure, Eddie. <laughs> 37 get. We wager $5,401 to get $1 above. Anyways. And anyways, uh, and 27 would have brought you to 118 anyways, not 116. Yes. Uh, 23 wins, though. Gets you to 109. 108 or 109? Uh, <laughs> 23 is 46. Wins gets you to we get 110, 10. actually. Yes. yes. So <laughs> even if the Oilers get to like 108 points, which would still be uh, remarkable. Yeah. Right? That would be another 57 points for them. 
Canucks just get 23 wins and they're above that. Yeah, for sure. The Canucks are in the driver's seat as long as they take biz- take care of business. And this text message here says Edmonton also has eight more back-to-backs. So, so far, Edmonton has, you know, my math, don't, don't trust my math, but they've played roughly 10, the Canucks have played roughly 10% more games so far, yes. four more games. It's roughly about 10% more, right? That's going to catch up. Like, the Canucks, it's significant. Having played four or five more games than a number of your other opponents across the National Hockey League is significant over halfway point, you know, of the season. Other teams have some tough schedules coming up. Like, they do. And that's what's also very impressive of this Canucks team, getting off to a good start, but being able to maintain it through some of the most challenging parts and travel parts of their schedule. And I think that's something they really deserve credit for. And like Tommy mentions, the Canucks the first team in the NHL to reach 30 wins on the campaign. Huge. They're, I Huge. mean, they have some loser points, but this yeah. is not a team that's, that's, that's feasting on them. Like, they only have four loser points yeah, no, all of this season. It's nothing. It's nothing. You know, like they're just winning games in regulation. Less than ten percent of your games come by way of the extra point. It's, it's nothing. And you know, I know Ian's mentioned this a lot that um, you know the, the the tempo of the season is it, usually hard to get like a pace setter early on. Right now, the Canucks are like them and the Jets and the Abs are like the pace setters here. And it'll be interesting to see what the next twenty five games looks like here across the league. Maybe even shorter twenty games looks like from now till the end of February. Uh, into the uh, trade deadline at March 8th, uh, what the next speed is right now. I guess you could say Edmonton's kind of setting the pace right now with their run since Knobloch got hired, but it, it's the Canucks are the first ones to 30. It's a huge feather in their cap. Yeah, absolutely. It's a massive feather to their cap, right? And in terms of how the team is playing and, and where they're projecting to go right now, uh, I know people are texting in, too, about Tyler Myers. We had a number of text yeah. messages here about Myers and his play. Uh, how did Myers, uh, you know, he has to play. How, how does he play tonight? Didn't like how he played. Uh, he had another tire fire night, as this one text message says. Best as a number five guy, get him back in a position to be successful. What do we make of Tyler Myers? And also more specifically, how do we feel about Tyler Myers and how he projects to perform potentially in the postseason? Okay, I want to start this by saying I think he's had a fantastic year. Okay, This is the best season we've seen from Tyler Myers. Bar none. And like functional, useful player. But tonight was kind of a reminder that because of where he's slotted in the lineup, and he's getting essentially the fourth most minutes uh, on the blue line right now, but because of where he's slotted, like the value to me is as good as he's been and, and provided some highs, they've also been met with some lows. And the lows have been low enough that it feels like you know two penalties today probably could have got called for a third. There was a, a shift in the first period where Carson Soucy makes a couple of nice plays, gets the puck to Myers, and Myers puts it off the glass and out. And look, he got it off the glass and out, but it barely stayed under the glass. And it's not as if there was a lot of pressure, but just like fired it at a 90 degree, 90 degree angle right at the boards, and it goes off the glass and gets out. But like there was just some scary moments. And then the penalties... I feel like the lows are low enough that it, it's like come playoff times, it might cost you a game. So you're you're concerned that Myers is, is going to be on the end of some egregious mistake that's going to cost this team. Is that what you're worried about? Yeah. And again, like he's been good this season, but like I I for for the role that he plays, I need safety more than I need the high impact plays. Okay, so I don't disagree in terms of wanting us adding a mm-hmm. safer player. Who are you talking about specifically? 
I, I, I don't know if I have an answer. Like, on the roster right now? No, I'm, on the roster, I mean... Uh, do we feel that confident in Noah Juleson that he can just step in and handle those minutes in the postseason and not make that type of mistake? They're a body short, right? Right. Like, like no doubt. So I think I, I get that. Um, if you can get Tanev somehow and move out Myers, hey, I'm, I'm all for that if you mm-hmm. can do something along those lines, right? I just, I'm just not sure that plays in, his, in, in the cards. And I would say if you go back to the last time we saw Myers in the postseason, like I thought he played fairly well. Back in, I know it's back in 2020. It's mm-hmm. a bubble year. It's been you know four years since then. But I, I really thought he he played some of his best hockey as a Canuck in the postseason. Now he took a lot of penalties. I do think he got some bad calls against Minnesota as well. That notwithstanding, yeah, I thought like in the playoffs with, with his physicality, which like he goes to another level physically in the postseason. Like, he really does. Like, he was an absolute monster wrecking ball in the postseason. He was, he was very important on, on the Alex Tuck thing. So I think that he has this tangible level that we've seen that I feel better about when he's on top of his game. And I get what you're saying, but I'm just not – I don't have the same level of, of fear on it. And I can't believe I'm saying that about Tyler Myers. But that's it, I just, just, like, just how I feel. Like, I'm not as Games like these are, are the ones that are like, oh, I just wince a little. I'm just like, the, the, yeah. the, the, the string of penalties – it's not uncommon. That's the no, thing. No, yeah, the, the kennel penalties do happen from time to time. But I, I also think that he's he's come a long enough way, and, and I am intrigued, Dick, about the size of their blue line and mm-hmm. how hard that's going to be to get through in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Like you have some trees there, right? And and I think their bottom four, I guess you want to call them, because you have Hughes and Ronick as your top pair. I mean, Cole and Zadorov. Mm-hmm. Cole's not like six five, but he's probably thicker than anybody yeah. else on on that blue line, and then. You have uh, Susie and Myers. Like, that's... that's what I, I thought Susie, again, was just like... He's terrific, man. Like, honestly, I'm just so... So subtly flawless. And I also like how he just, like... He gave it to Carcone pretty good, too. Like, he's... Mm. Like, that's the thing with him. He's not afraid of being physical, but his mentality is not to go out there and kill guys. It's to go out there and win pucks and make plays. And that's the type of defenseman I love. It's like, yeah, you can be physical when the time calls. Somebody wants to challenge you, you'll, you'll step up. You know how to clear the net. He will throw big hits, but it's about making plays on the mm-hmm. puck. He's that's boringly effective. And honestly, great way of describing it. Yeah. Great way of describing it. And it just like th- there was a play where he just kind of takes a loose puck and just chips it up the wall and it goes Miller to Hronick to Petey and it was it was kind of a flub two-on-one opportunity but it all starts with Susie just making a little chip up the wall and this forecheck gets nullified and it's just been so subtle from Carson Susie that you know with the, with the way the minutes get deployed I just like we're, we're talking about internal competition this is a guy that should be thriving to get more minutes yeah it, no. it, like we're, we, we mentioned this before about like an Ian Cole succession plan what happens next year you have it like the way Carson Susie's playing you absolutely have it built in you really do I mean, he's been absolutely terrific and I think his impact can get larger and greater and greater as the season goes on too and you know I think the best partner for him probably is Myers, and they've been pretty mm-hmm. good together, too. It's just, I don't know if that's a pair you, you play the big minutes for, so we'll see how the mix kind of uh, happens mm-hmm. come, to come the postseason. A lot of love coming in for Tyler Myers right now in the inbox yeah, for, Har- for what happens in the uh, playoffs. Yeah, Harry and New West. Myers has previously played well in the playoffs. His size will play a role. He also played well for the Jets when they made the postseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet Ryan saying that, uh, you know, come... Uh, playoffs when the whistles go away, uh, substantially more effective. Later in the playoffs, Canucks can go. The more effective the giant demon will be in this one, uh, unsigned. As much as you know, I don't like Myers. Guys on the team seem to really like him. Mm-hmm. I would worry about moving out, to causing any chemistry issues. I don't. I mean, it's a fair point, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying those issues do not exist. I, I'm less concerned about that um, than I am if you're like, what are you trading him for? 
Mm-hmm. Like, if you're moving Myers out and you're getting Tanev, great. I yeah. mean, sure. I mean, I'm talking in, in these realities. In, in where, that, where, you're, where you're getting, like, a, a right-handed D-man that you look at and say, like, the the, the version the, the prototype I'm, I'm looking for is, like, a better defensive right-handed D-man than Filipronik. Yeah. That's, well, like, that's what I'd be targeting. Well, and, and I think if, if you look at Myers too long-term here in Vancouver, if he wants... A good final contract, he can get three, maybe four million somewhere, two years, three term. years term, maybe or whatever. I don't think he's going to get that here. So, what are you willing to take to play here? And can that line up with Vancouver? If that doesn't line up, would they be more open to doing something at the deadline if they can get a Chris Tanev type? So, I'm not, I'm not against it if you're doing that. And for the chemistry issues, if you're taking him out but you're adding a player like Tanev, does that offset it? Because he's as well liked as he is coming into the room. And guys can rationalize you know, his presence coming in to replace him. So that's how I would view it. But I overall agree with the notion that I like Myers better in the playoffs, and I'm not as worried and as worried about it as you are, Vic. Penalties. <laughs> uh, uh, 6.50, we were getting a text here, or a tweet from... Uh, Ginger Dane, Myers almost got a penalty, and that's your issue? Well, he definitely got two. Definitely got two. And then he also nearly had another one as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, penalty is a part of his game. He does, he does two, penalties. Two in three minutes. Yeah, I mean, it's it tough. Happens, yeah, but it's, it's sequences. It happens sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like he takes two penalties yeah. in succession every game. Uh, Chammer, East Van. You can only choose one due to cap next season. Bluger, Joshua, or Lafferty? Uh, Bluger. Yeah, I think so, too. I've, I've, every week that goes by, I'm like, man, Dakota Joshua would, would Joshua, really suck to lose. Next it year. would. I mean, okay, you know, we can talk more about this a bit more on the other side. Uh, I love what Dakota Joshua has done so far. It, a lot of guys are, like, having career years, though. Mm-hmm. And I just look at it and say, well, can you pay everybody having a career year? It's tough. You know, because they're probably not all going to have you an even better year or continue that type of year. And that's my hesitation here. Uh, it comes down to money ultimately. Um, but my answer would be Teddy Bluger for the time being. And just having that center depth. Mm-hmm. And, and do you think, you know, it's interesting hearing from Patrick Alvin, who really singled him out as being a big addition for them. And even Rick Talkett, system guy, he mentioned the other day, and he was big on talking about how big of an impact he's made and maybe flying under the radar a little bit. If I had to guess, that might be the guy, well, not just guess, I mean, they essentially said it. Is that the guy that internally they're they're most happy with of the new additions? Teddy Bluger is, is just, just does effective things. Like, even the goal, like that little chip to just put it into space for Hoaglander to go get onto. That's just a Smart play, man. Take the play along, get into the zone, and go create. Uh, Teddy Bluger just does smart things all along the ice. And tonight, um, like he's been effective throughout the, the course of the season in the face-off circle. By the way, the Canucks, 72% in the face-off circle. Teddy Bluger took 13 draws, won 8, 62%. Not bad. Good in the face-off circle. Good defensively. The Canucks come away with a 2-1 victory over the Arizona Coyotes. We'll hear from Elias Pedersen on the other side. Plus, Ian McIntyre will join us on the Canucks Center post-game show presented by the number 5 Orange. And keep those thoughts coming into our text, text inbox, 650-650. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar on the Air Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
Miller to take the draw opposite Jack McBean. And they win it to Pedersen at the slot. He scores! Miller to Hughes to Pedersen and into the back of the net. The Canucks strike of the power play to take a 1-0 lead. Another face-off win by Vancouver. JT Miller wins it back to Quinn Hughes, who gets it to his partner, Elias Pedersen, and he just slams it. Stick side, up high. No chance for Connor Ingram on this one, as Elias Pedersen, two straight games with a power play goal, and the Coyotes goaltender with no chance whatsoever. Canucks 2-1 victory over the Arizona Coyotes. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network presented by the number 5 Orange. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. A lot of reaction on the text inbox 650-650. And and people are asking, you know, the next game. And we didn't hear um, the coach obviously say anything about Kuzmenko because, you know, he wasn't asked about it. But... Is he going to play the next game? I think that's a fair question, mm-hmm. right? If he's playing the next game or not, and if he is, isn't, who's going to be the player that gets that opportunity in the top six? Who moves up? How how do they go about it? And currently, the Canucks uh, do not have an extra forward because they sent uh, Carlson back down. A Friedman on the defensive end of things is on a conditioning assignment with the Abbotsford Canucks. They could always bring Noel Juleson in. I guess they could do seven defensemen. But right now, let's say Kuzmenko is not going to hold on to his spot with McCabe and Suter. Who's the guy that's going to play their next game? Nils Hoaglander. Hoaglander? Yeah. Because... You know, the, the brief moment he featured in the, the Garland role of uh, with Joshua and Bluger creates the assist, right? And he, he's out there because Garland was just out there on power play too. But if you're looking for, like, a puck carrier who can create and and dominate the puck on a line, it's probably no Hoaglander. Yeah. And, Probably. and maybe there's just a little bit more juice on that line. And I think uh, in terms of player types, too, Lafferty and Mikheyev are kind of similar yeah. in, in the things that they can do. Now, I know Lafferty's been a bit harder recently than Mikheyev has been. I agree. I, I think uh, Hoaglander would be the better fit there, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see Hoaglander play up there. But in that scenario, then, are you going 11-7, or is it Kuzmenko, Lafferty, Oman? Unless they call somebody up, my guess would be Kuzmenko gets back in and plays on the fourth line. I just don't... Th- I, okay, so... If you look at what the Canucks are trying to be as a team, they're trying to be a four-line hockey team. Mm-hmm. And you're you're winning a lot of hockey games being that four-line team or trying to be that four-line team. All of a sudden, you're going to take that away just so you can maybe play a defenseman 10 minutes? Like, if you run seven defensemen, how much is a seventh defenseman playing? Mm-hmm. Like, really? What are we talking about here? On a night uh, like tonight where... Uh, who is the low man in minutes on the, the blue line? Uh, is it Carson Soucy? I think Susie's at fifteen sixteen. Yeah, uh, Zadorov just beat him fifteen twenty. So yeah, Susie's at fifteen sixteen. Man, that is a uh, it's low. That's really low. As low as it is. I feel like Carson Sue should be should get more minutes. Still working his way back. I don't but. disagree with that. Myers had seventeen oh six. Yeah, and I do think they they are whatever Susie was dealing with. It looked like a lower body injury issue. Yeah, 
And I think because of that, they've they've probably been a little careful with them. Seventeen oh nine for Ian Cole, but yeah, you're, you're talking like not a lot of minutes for for Noah Juleson if he comes in. I will say though, average shift length for Susi thirty nine seconds. He had twenty three shifts, which was more uh, than Zadorov. Ian Cole and Zadorov. I mean, Zadorov was out for five minutes yeah. though, too. Yeah. But I'm just saying, but like, yeah. he did get more shifts. It was you know, so I think in that term, he was used a lot. His minutes, however, uh, were not as as high. So that's I just don't know. Team player keeping the shift short there. Yeah, hundred percent, man. Like, it's so impressive, Carson Susi. We, we can keep waxing poetic about his game, and it because you know, Bick loves the defensive plays, and uh, he's cer- certainly exhibiting a lot of that. But no, but but honestly, I just don't know if if you're running with seven defensemen, if it's worth doing. Mm-hmm. Like, what what are you gaining? Are you gaining an edge having seven defensemen? Like, I don't think you are. And at least the benefit of you know, Kuzmenko in the fourth line benefit is you could still do the power play thing. Yeah. You, like, you wouldn't have to change a lot there. You could just say, like, okay, fourth line, but you're getting power play usage. And people are asking us, should they change the power play? We mentioned Dakota Joshua on it. What did you think of the power play tonight? Some people are pretty critical of it. They got a power play goal. Elias Pettersson scored. But uh, did you not like the power play? The coach seemed fairly happy with what they did. Did you think they, they didn't generate enough good looks tonight? No. They, I mean, there was a couple of net front chances. Um, they shot the puck more this I time, it felt. They shot the puck a ton. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it missed, but they, I, I thought they found open looks, but it wasn't necessarily like prime areas. Yeah. But I, I thought that they did a great job. Like there was a lot of energy and a lot of movement, uh, on the power play. Yeah. So, you know, if they're creating shots for Patterson, Miller, Besser, like, yeah, okay. I'm pretty okay with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I'm with you there. This one says, call up Baines. Archdeep Baines. He's going to the AHL All-Star game. Uh, is he at a point where he's a viable option? Or I, do you want to still let him cook while he's cooking? Marinate, right? Yeah. Like, like he's like, doing, we're getting a lot of put coals in Texas as well. Like, these guys, like, there's a reason Linus Carlson is the one that gets shuttled up and down. It's those guys are in the marinate. So Niels Hoaglander essentially stayed last year down, right? Didn't come up at the end of the year at all. I think, did he come up at the end of last year? He didn't at all. He stayed no, the whole entire stayed, yeah. year. Was he not better off for it? Mm-hmm. And and different situations. I think for Pitcoles, the same thing. Like if you get to a point where you're desperate or something happens, sure. But I, I think for now, let those guys just do their thing. And I think Hoaglander is the, the perfect example of let, sending a guy down. Just let him focus on doing that. Like take the NHL out of his mind. Really, maybe give him a taste at some point for one game. He comes up later in the season or something. Sure. I just don't view that as being a viable option for you just yet. But um, the way he's playing, though, I mean. I can't fault fans for asking if he's going to get a look or not. Beans. Yeah. yeah. Beans with Colton. It just, man, I, I understand the urgency, but, like, like those guys scream to me black aces, right? Like, they get to the playoffs and maybe some injuries or when some injuries occur, okay, now they can start getting into the lineup. But, the, you know, the urgency to thrust guys in, it's just like, let them enjoy their time, keep working on things. Build the plan for them in the summer and then, like, come to training camp. Like, hey, you're going to need some fresh bodies because we're talking about some guys that are having career years. Some of them are going to potentially move on. But, like, there's your opportunity to get those guys in. No, absolutely. And I look at it, too, is, like, these guys don't have issues in the bottom six, right? Like, I think we have this urge oftentimes to see a player have success in a limited role and be like, we got to get this guy into the team or Mm -hmm. we got to get this guy into the top six. It's like, 
sometimes a player having success where he ha- where he's having success build confidence keep doing that yeah. right and don't ask too much of somebody and I think that's the best way of going about it in, in that sequence and I feel the same way about Hoaglander like we mentioned now let's say Kuzmenko doesn't play with Suter and Mikheyev next game like sure I'll give Hoaglander a chance but I think when you ask more of him, I don't think he's able to meet it at the same level. But if you ask him to do what he's doing now and he's excelling, just let him keep growing. And then gradually over time, maybe that grows into an impact top six player. But I, I just don't want to keep rushing these guys to bigger roles when they're having success in the roles they're having success in right now. Especially if it, you call them up in, in a role that's not suited for them, fail, right? If they're playing 10, 11 minutes, you know, have it stumble and be like, all right, go back down and. Go try to reclaim your confidence. That's that's just really tough for, for young players, especially when you have a, a development path for them and something that's clearly outlined. Look, if a string of injuries happens, then you got to bring these guys up. Okay. But the idea of just like, hey, come up, go replace Andre Kuzmenko. And if it doesn't work, we, we're, we're this $5 million winger, we're going to throw him right back. It's just yeah, it's 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 just really tough. Now, if, again, if you're calling up Baines to literally give him one game or something, sure, because it's a taste and you want to reward a player, I just don't view them as being solutions. This one says, I think Baines has earned a look with the big club. I agree Pods should stay down there, but Baines is ready for a short look before the All-Star break. Uh, and uh, a lot of other people saying give Baines a shot as well. Uh, also, uh, on the text inbox... Um, Lotso says, Lafferty will get six to eight more minutes based mostly on his speed and passing ability, as in he's the guy that gets the minutes if Kuzmenko uh, doesn't play in the top six. And based on their track record, like I don't think Lotso is wrong uh, because the coaches played Mikheyev with Pedersen and uh, Lafferty. Mm-hmm. Lafferty has had a chance to play with Miller as well. He's has been the guy that has been moving up more than Hoaglander has. But I think you can do that because you have Pedersen. Yeah, so you don't have Pedersen. To it's do true. that with... Pew Suter, I think, would be significantly different. Absolutely. But uh, I I wouldn't be surprised. As much as we can say go with Hoaglander, I wouldn't be surprised if the coach goes with Lafferty in that spot if he puts uh, if he moves Kuzmenko off the, the line of with Suter and Mikheyev. Be a pretty energetic line. Lafferty and Mikheyev just screaming around, creating four-check chaos. Uh, I, I, like Lafferty in the first period today was tremendous. Yeah, he was just tremendous. Yeah, uh, injected a little bit of speed in that game. Personality with with the four check ability. You know, the hit on Brown, the hit on Kesselring, and then you know I thought Joshua was great in the second period with with some physicality. So when he got the game winning goal, yeah, and then you know if, if Lafferty can do that, and I thought Hoaglander did that in the final forty certainly. Yeah, um, with with a lot of speed, a lot of energy. So it, it, it'd be a good competition between Lafferty and Hoaglander. I, I just think like the more natural fit is Hoaglander. Like who's who's driving play on that line? I don't disagree. Yeah. I don't disagree. Uh, but again, like you know, Hoaglander and the coach mentioned today that you know Hoaglander is earning more trust, but he's he still played ten minutes. Like you know what I mean? Like he's he's kind of still in that range. You're not seeing his his minutes creep up too much over this past stretch. But he's been fantastic in the role he's been asked to play in. It would be a big spot too for uh, like the Toronto game. Yeah, and I wonder if Lafferty revenge, revenge game. game. Yeah, you know, true, true, true. Things. Uh, Lotso may be onto something in our text inbox. Canucks win two one over the Arizona Coyotes. Goals by Elias Pettersson and Dakota Joshua. Travis Dermott got his first of the season. Former Vancouver Canuck uh, here at Rogers Arena. The lone goal for the Arizona Coyotes. All right, uh, before we get to Ian McIntyre, who will join us here for the final bit of the post game show uh, on Sportsnet six fifty with Satin Bick. Let's hear from Elias Pettersson. Scored a goal tonight. On the power play, great point shot, uh, one-timer, goes top cheese. Uh, the, the the shot um, 83 what, miles an hour? W- was clocked at 83 miles an hour. 
Remember how Hironik shot the puck like 140 miles an hour? And we're like, this can't be... 108. I was like, this can't be right, and they corrected it later. I think this is on the low end. I think that shot was harder than 83 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It looked like an 89, at least. Yeah. Like Reach said 93. 93. Yeah, around the 90s, I think, would make some sense. Uh, But regardless, Elias Pettersson scored. Just eyeballing. Yeah, that's a 91. That's a 90. What do I know? I can barely do math. Now I'm like, I'm... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not tracking speed of a puck. Yes, barely count to oh, 10. Man. All right, uh, we'll, we'll get to Ian McIntyre, but here is Elias Pettersson after a 2-1 victory, scored a goal, and, and was also seen uh, icing his hand throughout uh, the game on the bench, but here he is post-game meeting with the media. Yeah, uh, good to be back, good win. Uh, it's a good team to play play skillful um so yeah happy with the win come straight game the power play goal are you guys starting to feel more confident feel things are coming here yeah i think so i mean i i like the way it looked most of the power play today uh i think two of them we were almost in their zone for a whole two minutes creating chances so yeah step by step to get to where we want to be can you take us into your mind on when you see where that puck goes on your goal Top corner doesn't get much. No, I just knew it was a nice goal. <laughs> Is that one where you kind of look and be like, hey, I don't get a perfect shot every time? Was that one of them? Oh, it can always be better. Rick's talked about the importance of this five game homestand and continuing to play strong heading into the All Star mm-hmm. break. Do you get a sense that you guys are sort of locked in to do exactly that? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we got, uh, I mean, now four, four more games before the break and uh, we want to finish. That's strong, and especially now when we're on the road and we, the way we have, like, the momentum we created on the road and keep that going here at home. How did you feel like you guys defended in third period tonight? Um, good and bad, I think. I mean, they got some looks, but then Thatcher made a save, so uh, we were blocking the shots. So uh, defensive breakdowns will happen, but it's like how we react to it uh, and throwing ourselves to, to block the shots. How would you describe how you guys feel taking a lead to the third period? Because you know, other than the Columbus game, it's been a win every time. Uh, yeah, I mean, we we feel confident within our structure and uh, the way we want to play. So, um, yeah, we just want to continue playing for full sixty minutes and rack up those wins. Uh, that is Elias Patterson uh, after a two-one victory, scores a goal on the power play, uh, and uh, mentions how you know they they, need to, they sacrificed themselves. They played the right way. wasn't always perfect, but happy with their team game. Uh, wasn't asked about his wrists. So for those wondering, uh, uh, we'll see if if that comes up or uh, at some point here. Uh, but in terms of how he played, felt pretty good about it, and, and, and spoke about the sacrifice the players were making. Yeah, there was a, a shot block. Uh, end of second, I think it was, and you know, look right at the buzzer. You know, look, look, there, there was a ton of that uh, throughout this game, and we had someone texting me like a character win uh, this one, uh, or, or a tweet to to your uh, post game tweet as well. And you look at it tonight, uh, end up being, uh, you know, the, the face off wins was overwhelming, thirty eight, fifteen, seventy two percent. They blocked. 10 shots as well, mm-hmm. uh, plus the physicality uh, through that with the Zdorov play, uh, 22 hits out, out hitting the Coyotes tonight. So, yeah, a lot to like. Yeah, a lot to like. Uh, it was a physical game, uh, a bit of a grudge match at times. The Canucks come away with a 2-1 victory. And to uh, close this out and to break it down like only he can, it's time to bring in the man we call the triple threat. You saw him on TV, you read him on digital, and you're about to hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre.
must be some kind of way out of here. I have a reporter's crush on Nikita Zadorov. Oh, he's fantastic, isn't he? Great quote. He's, he was great. After the game, he he took exception with my phrasing and question that it because you bailed on him that time. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, that it that uh, it wasn't the team's best game, but they they managed the game well and did what they had to in the third period. And he said, "Why? Why wasn't it our best game?" And I said, "Well, I think you played most of those games on the road trip better than you you played this game." So why? Because we won six three, six four. This is a playoff type game. I'll take this game over those games. Oh, so, fantastic! It was fantastic. You know what? And, and, that's, and that's good. Don't you like that when somebody like it gives you an earnest yeah. answer yes. and you'll push back yes. a little bit? It's it's like a good back and a forth. real conversation. Yes. And and that happened in a conversation. He wasn't up in front of the uh, the backdrop where so often they look like suspects mm-hmm. being <laughs> you know <laughs> paraded. Number three, turn right. <laughs> Say, I had my man on that goal. Yes. <laughs> so just say the same thing. So, uh, yeah, and you know what? It is, it's a pretty, I don't know if people know this, it's a pretty quiet room, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a, a lot of really good guys. Uh, most of them are good guys. And you know what? Over the years, I, I could say that just about every team. But there's a lot of quiet guys. And so I, I think somebody like, Zadorov bringing some humor and spice in the room, so it's not only Connor Garland and JT Miller all the time. Right, <laughs> I think helps, uh, but I also think he helps them on the ice. Like we've we've seen at times his limitations, and if he tries to do too much, although you know he's a f- tremendous skater mm-hmm. for a guy who's goes two and a half bills. I can't believe you evaded that. Lawson Kraus check. Yes. I mean, really agile. But he's a guy that, you know, the the other team, it it causes uncertainty to the other team. And the Canucks are a physical team. Like under Tockett, they, even before the trade with Zadorov, for the most part, they out-hit their opponents. Mm -hmm. They finished their checks. But I'm not sure that they had anybody that, that caused uncertainty or worry. And Zadorov is a little bit of a wild card because he is so strong. And when he finishes a check, it's like getting hit by a mountain. And we saw tonight when he decides to fight for his team, which is what he was doing. Like Mm -hmm. he also gave me a great quote. This is why the reporter crush, because uh, I said, "Why were you so angry at O'Brien?" And he says, "Well, the guy." Comes along our bench and says bad words to everybody. <laughs> and then he jumps my teammate. <laughs> so there was a little payback for sure. Yeah, that's so, fantastic. Um, I, I think I think Zadorov, you know, keeps the other team on their, on their toes and brings a little bit of edginess in your favor. And I think, uh, you know, once they get to the playoffs, he's going to be even more important. I think he's the kind of guy that, that uh, I don't know that, you know, you lead the team. You want him leading the team, but he's he's one of those guys that you just have a feeling that in a playoff series, mm-hmm. he's going to be more important than what he seems right now. Dakota Joshua gets the goal, like him too. Um, we've we've talked so much about like the the guys on that third line getting bigger roles five on five, and you know, Tockett's kind of downplayed that, but. 
could he get a, a role on power play? Like he's got twelve goals now. There's uncertainty with Andre Kuzmenko all of a sudden. It, yeah. It'd be a big leap to go from no power play to power play one, but suddenly it just feels like he's scoring some goals, and, and there might be a chance here. Yeah, um, you know, I didn't hear all of talk at scrum. Josh, did you send it to me? Uh, you, Eddie sent Eddie. it. Eddie, thank you, Eddie, back at the studio, uh, because a lot of these games. You know, I don't have time to mm-hmm. to loiter, so I start writing, and then I get. You can only be so many threats. I, I can. Yep. There's only so yeah. so many of me, and as <laughs> it takes a while to write 900 words, mm-hmm. um, and then you do it in time to get here by 11:15, yeah. so you can do a hit with us. So, but I did. I did get the uh, the email with talk. It's audio, but I didn't have time to go through it all. Did anybody ask him towards the end of the scrum about Kuzmenko? Nobody nope. asked. Nobody asked about Kuzmenko, okay. so we don't have an answer on Kuzmenko, unfortunately. Yeah. So it, there's going to be a transaction, I presume, tomorrow. There'll be another forward here. And and that's kind of what, what we're wondering. We didn't hear from the coach, but he didn't have a single shift in the third. Didn't get on either power play. Yeah. So it's 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 becoming – it's, we know it's becoming a bigger issue and a bigger yeah. concern, but this was, as Zadorov mentioned, a playoff-like game, and the coach did not have any time for him in the third. Yeah. that's That says a lot, doesn't it? It does. It does. It, it's not – I mean – each time something like this happens, it's less surprising than the previous time mm-hmm. because clearly there's a pattern. Uh, they got a lot to work out between now and, and March 8th. And that's, you know, it, even if they decide that it's not going to fit here and, uh, you know, it resonates that Alvin, when I talked to him for that Q&A uh, last week, uh he said that Tockett's a puzzle guy, and we've heard Tockett say that himself. And so we've got to see how he fits the puzzle. And right now it's hard to see how where Kuzmenko fits mm-hmm. in this puzzle. If he's scoring 39 goals, you just jam him in the puzzle. It doesn't matter whether he fits or not. You know that He's going to help you win if he's scoring 39 goals. When he's not scoring and he's not doing clearly other things that the coach wants him to do, then it's then it becomes a bit of bit of a problem. Back to your question, mm-hmm. Vic, about Dakota Joshua. I knew you were going to bring it around. I haven't forgotten. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see him actually net front on on the power play. I don't know if he can do First that. First unit? Yes. Let's go. Yes. There's dozens of us. Yes. Stand, stand <laughs> yeah. in front of the goalie. I mean, he is phenomenal at uh, gathering and protecting pucks, mm-hmm. which is a big part of that job when you're down low because you're retrieving the rebounds, the loose pucks, the stuff that gets thrown to the net and doesn't get through, but it's lying there. And I think he would be good at that. I think he would be fearless at standing in front of the goalie, which is a problem they have right now because standing in front of the goalie and standing beside the goalie are two very different mm-hmm. things. And most of these players, and they're highly skilled guys, so I don't. it's natural that they're going to be wired this way. When they see a puck coming, their instinct is to try to to tip it and and score and not just kind of stand in the way it's hard to do both i mean there are there are some great net front guys who do both they tip they tip pucks but they'll stand in front of the goalie but we've seen it's it's a terrible place to be sometimes and it used to be because you know defensemen could assault you with impunity but now it's because everybody shoots the puck 90 to 100 miles an hour Mm -hmm. and it hurts so it's it's a hard thing to do. I think I, I'd like to at least see him mm-hmm. there. Um, 
it's part of um, actually, you know, and we've talked about this before, that I think all three guys on that third line, to some extent, deserve a little more than they're getting right? because they have been so good. But I understand why talk it won't break them up at five on yeah. five. I'm not so sure why, like, why Suter and not Bluger? And I know historically Suter's more of, you know, a higher a higher ceiling offensively than Teddy Bluger. But Bluger's having uh, an outstanding season. And right, look, at all, hand. look at all the points he's generating yeah. on that line, which is basically more or less been generating a goal a game for a month. Um, so the, it's not like they're hot for a week. And, and we all know before that they were playing really well, but they just weren't able to finish. So why why not try Teddy Bluger in, instead of Suter? Uh, and Garland, I, I mean, I think he'd be good with the skilled guys on the first unit. He's probably still better, as with his five-on-five five play, to have the puck a lot and, mm-hmm. and create and let him try and run the second unit. But I, I'd like to see all three of those guys maybe get a little more than what they've received. And uh, the way they've played, you can certainly make, make the argument for it. Um, I, I did want to ask you about some positives, though. Like, not, Oh, not, I hope not, I don't sound no, no, negative. No, no, I, I, sorry, I, I don't mean it. I, I mean it like, uh, I, I don't mean it from you. I mean it from like the Kuzmenko thing we mentioned. And yeah. we, you know, it is, because the Canucks won 2-1. Yeah, you know, no, I, well, I want to make the point. There were a lot of positive things mm-hmm. that they did in this game of course, defensively. Yes. Like Absolutely. The third period, Arizona got nothing until, uh, was it, yeah. uh, Keller had a chance, like 25 seconds to go. The puck came to him yeah, on the back side, yeah. and it was open. Look. But other than that, and they got another shot just at the buzzer in that last seven seconds. So f- for most, for 19 and a half minutes of a third period, against a team that's got some speed and offensive talent, the Canucks gave up four shots. So, and, and I do think... Even though they weren't at their best, and I would stick to my guns, uh, I don't because you know my guns are as big as Nikita's yeah. Zadorov's. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I would say that this wasn't their best game, but they managed it really well. Like they, they kind of, they had a really good first period, and after that, they weren't good at the start of the second. They were better in the second half of the second, and I thought they were excellent defensively in the third and did what they had to do to win. It was clear they didn't they didn't have it in terms of like their overall A game, but they had their discipline and how they play their game, and I think that shows the evolution, the maturity of how they're able to get these results out and got back to suff, you know suffocating the Coyotes in the third period. But you're right, I don't think they had their best game. And the way I said it, it came off a lot worse than... I, I meant it as... Hoaglander and Lafferty, I thought, were two big positives. The coach went out of his way to give Hoaglander a lot of play, praise post-game, had him out the last couple minutes of the game. He's clearly earning a bit more trust. And what does that say about what he's providing? And also, like, what Lafferty and Oman as well, but really Lafferty and Hoaglander, the impact they can make on their line. Yeah, uh, well, they're they're both playing really well. And for where they're playing in the lineup, it, it's tremendous contributions that they're getting. I yeah. mean, um Lafferty, I mean, he started so well, and maybe because guys that you get uh, at sort of giveaway prices, uh, you don't necessarily think are going to come in and have and have an impact. And he had an impact right away. There was a couple of games early on in the year. They don't probably don't win without his speed and and what he did. Uh, I think though quietly, even though you know he went up the lineup and then he came back to the fourth line. I think quietly he's been one of their better players all season. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, and Hoaglander, it, it's kind of rocky at times, right? But when he's when he's on, and he's been on most games lately, mm-hmm. you you get the sense that he's figured out what it is he has to do uh, to be an NHL player. And uh, I like that they have part of the buy-in about everyone on this team and playing the way and doing the things that Talkit wants to do, the staples, you know, right? I wish he'd give us a list. Yeah. Talk it. Here's the staples, just so we know. <laughs> Do you think there's he has 13 it in his office them. wall, like the staples? Oh, I bet there's a staples list somewhere. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure there are. Maybe staples should sponsor something here. Probably should. You know? There's here. Here's the opportunity. Here is an opportunity. Um, uh, part of that buy-in is that everybody seems to be embracing their roles. Like, Connor Garland's a great example. Guy, he's a top six player playing on the third line. Some nights he's only playing 12 minutes. Even though when he plays, he's still effective, and that line is scoring, and they they win their matchups. And he doesn't get the first power play unit. But he's embracing what he's doing. Like, never a complaint. Mm -hmm. Never a complaint about, oh, I should miss. And, And even privately, I can say that. I don't mind if the guys complain to me. Because maybe it's a story later on, right. but no, it, like he's he's fully on board. I'm just using him as an example, but you know Lafferty being all over the lineup mm-hmm. from first line to fourth, but from center to wing and both wings, and never a complaint. Um, Dakota Joshua, another guy, uh, Niels Hoaglander. I mean, basically you can go through the list, mm-hmm. and and that's a really Im- important thing. Like it, a team. You, you want guys to want more, obviously. Right? You want them to be ambitious. You want them to be driven. You want them to, at times, have that chip on their shoulder, like, well, I'll show these guys or I'll show the coach. But you also have to have guys who understand their roles and and will embrace them and do them the best they can until that next stage comes for them until they earn whatever it is that, that's coming next. It, it doesn't really work when you've got a, a bunch of grumpy guys and they're not they're not fully invested because, you know, it's it's people think it's easier to play on the fourth line than the first. Well, maybe in some ways, but when you're playing less often and you're expected you know, there's no there's no leeway for you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're the lotto line, you could probably not that they necessarily are, are looking to do this, but you get more leeway. Uh, remember Elaine Vigneault saying that everybody gets nobody gets treated the same, but everybody gets treated fairly. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's so little margin uh, when you're on the fourth line. You have to do certain things every game and you have to do them well otherwise they're going to put somebody else in the fourth line and you're not going to go up the lineup yeah. you're going to come up and eat popcorn with us in the press box <laughs> which sounds rewarding or but chicken actually- sandwiches like today oh chicken sandwich that was really good that was really really did good. you go back for a second no i did i had enough food for today for me yeah even i had to you know say did you guys get the chicken sandwiches over no here? we were told about them to go over the but we they had pizza. pizza here yeah, we got oh, pizza. they were okay oh. Not that, but it was very it's good. Plus, we had cookies just a, from just Shorty. A unending feast, yes, for you guys. <laughs> Always. Well, I mean, I was with you. We were. We, we had chicken yeah. sandwiches today. Somebody texted in. How are the cookies from Shorty? Were uh, they good? They were fantastic. Shorty bakes bakes cookies. Yes, and for those wondering, Bick yeah. is fine. Like he's you know he's completely coherent. Oh, yeah. 
There were, yeah, there was a lot of tweets about and questions about the types of cookies, what the ingredients oh, were. Okay. Yes, <laughs> and they're you know just fine. I mean, it's, it's I don't know. Have theory. you been listening to me tonight? I couldn't do math earlier. No, that's so, true. Yeah. So maybe. That's, maybe we're at brownies. I say. Well, <laughs> maybe the let's send these off to the lab, but. Uh, we know that Shorty seldom misses the 420 call. Yeah. So, I mean, outside of that. Hey, all right. That brings us to the end of the show. Uh, what a way to finish it <laughs> off. Uh, Ian, fantastic stuff as always. Look forward to reading your latest on sportsnet.ca. And, and also really looking forward to Saturday. Canucks hosting the oh, Toronto yeah. Maple Leafs. 4 p.m. puck drop. But it's going to be a raucous atmosphere. The Canucks, one of the best, if not the best team in the league so far, record-wise, and how they've played. And the Leafs coming in, you know kind of staggering the last little bit. The turmoil is around them. Sheldon Keefe, is he going to make it through the season or not? It's like, oh yeah, we worried about these things before. So I'm really looking forward to yeah, that Yeah, kind of a role reversal. Yeah, a little, bit, a little bit. Yeah, and a little bit. you know what? Vancouver right now, uh, I was going to say, well, they, they, they're they a better team than Toronto. They've shown that so far. Uh, and certainly far more consistent than Toronto. But right now, you know, who's better than the Canucks. It's too bad it's not April 8th no, exactly. or 10th right now. But and Maybe Edmonton won like 12 in a row, but that's pretty you know, much it. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. much it. it. Especially with the way the game in Toronto went, because there was so much excitement. It's like, they're rolling. They're going out east. They yeah. can show the Toronto, how the, the media, how it goes. And they just kind of stubbed yeah. their foot. Well, yeah. That was a terrible Quinn game. had his worst game yeah. of the season. Yeah. That, I mean, the, the Philadelphia game, game three of the season was still, in my mind, by far the worst game they've played this year. But that Toronto game, because they had by then gotten on their really good roll yeah. and were just rolling through teams, and they get to the center of the universe and just were psych themselves out on. Well, they're just were well, they're awful. good for the first like. Uh, anyways, we can, yeah. we talk more about. But this then they won the- after that. They went they to did. Montreal yeah. and won, and you know, so that game was really an outlier. Mm-hmm. But to everyone in Toronto, they thought, yeah, yeah, same old Canucks, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. So it's a, there's a good chance for revenge here coming up on Saturday. Look forward to reading your latest, Ian, on sportsnet.ca. Thanks, as always. He's Bick Nazar back on the People Show tomorrow. Thanks to Josh Elliott Wolf, Fast Eddie Gregory. I'm Satyar Shaw. We'll be back on Canucks Central tomorrow. This has been the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five orange of Vancouver legend. They've got sports, too, on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.